What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow us on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, on Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. And with that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast. Today, as the title says, I will be doing a mock draft. It's going to be PPR 12 team from the four spot. But before we start, it's not really something I care to talk about, but I feel like I have to address it just because being silent is not the way to go when it comes to things that are being done that should not, you know, even exist in the world today. Um, so obviously, most of you guys already realize I'm about to start talking about Bobby, uh, the Fantasy Pros podcast host, or the ex-podcast host. Thankfully, he is uh, been he has been suspended. Obviously, what he did, I do not agree with. I don't think a woman should ever have to deal with that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can probably just find it very easily on the internet. Basically, he was... Um, so he has a wife and kids, and apparently he was... DMing like girls very inappropriate things and being aggressive and using his platform as a way to try and get I don't it's it's a complicated matter I'm not trying to get into it but I just want you guys to know I stand against it of course um I don't support any actions whatsoever like that I think women should be treated you know equally to men they should not have to deal with that disgusting type of you know stuff that goes on unfortunately. But with that said, I just wanted to get that out the way and make sure you guys know I'm against it because I feel like if I didn't say anything, it's kind of, you know, almost as if you showing I don't care. And of course I care. So I just had to talk about that real quick. With that said, we can go ahead and get into the podcast, get into the stuff that you guys are tuning in for. And that is the PPR mock draft. I'm using Fantasy Pros from the four spot and kicked it off at Christian McCaffrey 101. That's how it should be. If you ever have the one on 101, make sure you take Christian McCaffrey. Then Saquon Barkley went at two. And Fantasy Pros threw in a curveball. And they threw in Michael Thomas at 103. So I'm looking at basically Ezekiel Elliott or Alvin Kamara. Ezekiel Elliott is my RB2. So I think that's a steal at the four spot. So of course, I go ahead and take Ezekiel Elliott. But there's no problem for me at that four spot taking Elliott or Kamara, who was there. And if Michael Thomas didn't go... There's no way I'm taking Michael Thomas at four. I'm taking whatever running back was left. So if you're anywhere in the top four, in my opinion, you should always be going running back. Running back holds so much more value than receiver. Then after I take Ezekiel Elliott at 104, Alvin Kamara goes at 105, then Dalvin Cook, Devontae Adams, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire goes at 108. It's high, but I actually don't think that that's terrible. Um, I That's probably the highest I would take him, maybe 107. Um, but yeah, so 108 is where Clyde went. I don't think that that's terrible because he's my RB8. So, you know, if you're avoiding wide receiver in the first round, which is what I usually do, it's not a horrible pick. Then Tyreek Hill went at 109, Julio Jones at 110, Derrick Henry 111, and then on the turn, DeAndre Hopkins and Joe Mixon. Now it's coming back to me in the second round, starting at 202, Kenyon Drake. Miles Sanders, I love that value. Miles Sanders that late, he's my RB7 at the 203. That's a great pick. Patrick Mahomes at the 204. I would never draft a quarterback in the second round. 
Austin Eckler at the 205, that's an also a great value. That's, he's my RB8. So Sanders and Eckler in the second round, I think that those are great, great grabs in any format. Well, not, not standard, but in any format in terms of dynasty, redraft, best ball, whatnot. So that's Austin Eckler at the 205. Then Chris Godwin, then Nick Chubb. I really think that that's a reach. Kareem Hunt really just destroys his value in both the touchdown category and the reception category. Then Aaron Jones at 208, and now it's back to me. I'm at the 209, and as you guys know, I talk about it all the time. I love going RB heavy at the top of drafts. So I obviously started with Ezekiel Elliott. I have a locked and loaded RB1. I'm trying to get my RB2 right now. Eckler, Sanders, Drake, Mixon, Henry, Clyde, Chubb, Jones, all those guys are off the board. There's one super significant guy still on the board. He's the only one left, so I take him. It's Josh Jacobs. So now I'm looking at Elliott and Jacobs as my one-two punch at the running back position, and I feel really confident going forward that my running backs are going to be solid. After I take Josh Jacobs, it goes Travis Kelsey at the 210, then Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster, Allen Robinson to start the third round, George Kittle at the 302, I don't mind either of those two tight end picks. They're both really good values, and they're going to really help you you know, have an edge on your team versus another person's tight end. So their VORP, their value over replacement player, is really good because they're the two elite, absolutely elite tight ends. And then Mark Andrews and Ertz are like you know that second group, that second tier of good guys, but they're not elite. So I don't really care for drafting Andrews or Ertz at all. So after Kittle goes, that was the 302. Remember, I'm drafting from the four spot. Robert Woods goes at 303, and now it's back to me. So here's my dilemma. I love slamming running back heavy, but oftentimes in the third round, that's a round where pretty much no running backs get drafted. That's a heavy wide receiver round, and... Taking any running back there, to me, in the third round that's left on the board, and some of those guys include Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon, James Conner, Todd Gurley, Chris Carson, Le'Veon Bell, Mark Ingram. Taking any of those guys in the third round, to me, is too early, especially if I'm at the top of the third round. Back of the third round, we're talking a different story. But top of the third round, that's a no-go for me to take any of those guys. I decide to take a wide receiver who is my wide receiver five and is still on the board, DJ Moore. So now I'm looking at Elliott, Jacobs, and my wide receiver one, DJ Moore. It was either him or Lamar Jackson for me because Lamar Jackson gives you a huge value of a replacement. He's significantly better than every other quarterback and even Mahomes, honestly. Like if they're both healthy when they're both playing, Lamar Jackson to me gives you like a three point per week advantage over Patrick Mahomes. So obviously he's getting you like five points more per week on average versus the other person's quarterback. So that's a great pick in the third round. I love Lamar in the third And so I had to choose between him and DJ Moore. I decided, you know what? I love quarterback late. There's so many quarterback values that I am super comfortable with. Let me grab DJ Moore, my wide receiver five in the third round. That's a steal, in my opinion, per my projections, my rankings. So then Lamar goes right after me. Mike Evans at the 306. Mark Andrews at the 307. Odell Beckham, Adam Thielen. Then we have our first running back taken in the third round at 310. I told you that's not usually around where a lot of running backs will go. Leonard Fournette. Then A.J. Brown, Amari Cooper, Zach Ertz, Melvin Gordon. By the way, if I had to, if I decided to reach on a running back on in the third round, Melvin Gordon would have been my pick. He was my highest ranked running back left on the board. Then Calvin Ridley at 403, Cooper Cup. Terry McLaurin. By the way, I really love the Calvin Ridley value. He's my wide receiver 10. Getting him in the beginning of the fourth round is 
a very, very good um, value, and he's really going to help your team. I think the Falcons are going to be throwing the ball second most in the league this year. Calvin Ridley's going to have a career year. He's going to go off. He's going to break probably 120 targets, and he's going to be great. Terry McLaurin at the 405. James Conner, Cortland Sutton, Todd Gurley, and now it's back to me, and I have another decision to make. For me, I'm definitely, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm definitely going running back. It's Le'Veon Bell, Chris Carson. That's pretty much it. Those are the only two guys that I have ranked close to each other that are on the board right now. Le'Veon Bell is my running back 15. Um, Aaron Jones is my 13. Melvin is my 14. And then Le'Veon Bell is my 15. So getting my running back 15 at the end of the fourth round and to just completely solidify that position. Remember, this is a PPR draft as well. Le'Veon Bell is going to be very good in PPR. He was very good last year. Because of that, he had a stable floor. And last year, he had only four touchdowns. He's probably going to get more than four touchdowns this year. The offensive line has three new starters. They added Brashad Perriman and Denzel Mims. I'm sure that offense is going to be much better this year, and that's going to help Le'Veon Bell's efficiency and his touchdown opportunity. So I don't see any way he's worse than last year. And what he produced last year is already worth a third-round pick. So the fact that people are letting him go in the fourth rounds in drafts, is, to me, is insane, especially because I'm at the end of the fourth, 409. So I got Le'Veon Bell. And now my team is Ezekiel Elliott, Josh Jacobs, Le'Veon Bell in the flex, DJ Moore in my wide receiver one spot. After I grabbed Bell, it went Carson, Singletary, Ingram, Tyler Lockett, that's a great value in the fifth round, Devontae Parker, Keenan Allen, and now it's back to me again. So I have three running backs and DJ Moore. If, I'm not going to lie, if there was a running back that I really, really loved here and there wasn't a wide receiver that I was tempted by, I would have went running back again. There's very many times that I find myself getting four running backs out of my first five rounds. Sometimes I'll go five in a row and then I'll just slam receiver the rest of the draft. That's what I've done in the past in real leagues, not just mock drafts. And it works out very well for me. I'm usually, if not the most points fielded uh, team in the league, usually I'm up there because running back is the most important by far. I was actually doing some digging. I Some of you guys may have seen this tweet. The gap between the average points of top five running backs to the RB24 is almost double in terms of points. The The gap differential is almost double that of the top five average wide receivers to the wide receiver 24. What does that mean? That means that when you go from, you know, the best running backs, the top five, to the 24th scoring running back, the drop-off is significantly bigger from running back than wide receiver. So that means that wide receivers, you don't have to have those top guys because the drop-off from the top guys to the you know wide receiver 24 is not big, whereas the drop-off for running back is near double the drop-off for wide receiver. And also, more often than not, uh, more running backs drafted in the top 12 will finish in the top 12 than wide receivers drafted in the top 12 will finish in the top 12. So running backs are more predictable the only times that they really don't get into the top 12, I mean, obviously there are times where they just don't have a good season, but many many times it's just due to them missing games. And guess what? If they're missing games, they're not in your starting lineup. They're not hurting you. And, you know, you're putting in somebody else in placement of them. Oftentimes wide receivers that are drafted in the top 12 that don't finish there, they're, they're not hurt. And if they're not hurt, that means that they're putting bad weeks in your starting lineup. And that's going to hurt you worse than if they were hurt and you got to replace them with somebody that was better. So... That's a big reason why I'm always going running back heavy. So like I said, I took Le'Veon Bell at 409, 
and then we went over everyone that was just taken. So now I'm on the board, and I'm basically deciding between DK Metcalf, DJ Chark, because I, I really like the receivers right here, and um, actually Tyler Boyd. See, taking him at the top of the fifth, that would definitely be the highest I ever took him. But looking at the rankings that were here in Fantasy Pros, I was kind of nervous that Tyler Boyd wouldn't make it to me. But looking at other other people's teams, I still see that there's a lot of tight ends that haven't been taken. And maybe somebody will take a Josh Allen or a Dak Prescott or whatnot quarterbacks, you know, after I take my receiver that would let Tyler Boyd get back to me. So I took the risk and I took DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf is my wide receiver 16 and I got him in the fifth round. So that's a great value. Now I have DJ Moore and DK Metcalf as my one and two, and I'm hoping for Tyler Boyd to get back to me. So let's see if it worked out. T.Y. Hilton went at 505, then DJ Chark, David Johnson, Julian Edelman, Jonathan Taylor. I will say I was slightly tempted to take Jonathan Taylor and just have four amazing running backs, but knowing that DK would start for me and you know, the chance that Tyler Boyd didn't slip. Because if I took Jonathan Taylor and I missed out on Tyler Boyd in the six, if he didn't make it back to me, I would have been really mad. So that's why I took DK. And then after Jonathan Taylor at the 409, it went Darren Waller, Marquise Brown, Stephon Diggs. And here we go. This is exactly what I needed. Dak Prescott, Tyler Higby, Kyler Murray. And that was those three in a row were right after Darren Waller. So in within six picks, Four of them were quarterbacks and tight ends. That's pushing the receivers and running backs down to me. Then David Montgomery, who I'm not touching this season. AJ Green. I mean, he's not a horrible he's not a horrible pick in the sixth round, David Montgomery. That's later than I've ever seen him go. Um, but I probably would still look elsewhere, even that late in the draft. AJ Green, Will Fuller, Russell Wilson, Jarvis Landry, now it's back to me. Perfect. Tyler Boyd fell. We had two quarter three quarterbacks and two tight ends go. From the time I took DK to the time it came back to me, and I get Tyler Boyd at the 609. Now I'm super happy because I have DJ Moore, my wide receiver, 5. Tyler Boyd, my wide receiver, 8. And DK Metcalf, my wide receiver, 15. So I have, per my projections, 3 top 15 wide receivers and 3 top 15 running backs. That's great. That's You can't beat that. So I'm super happy right now. Then right after Tyler Boyd, I was kind of hoping this guy would make it back to me on the turn, but he didn't. Cam Akers went. And then DeAndre Swift, Michael Gallup, Jared Cook, Matt Ryan, Deshaun Watson. We're in the seventh round, 704, and I take Ronald Jones. I'm not worried about LaShawn McCoy. And LaShawn McCoy doesn't really seem like he's concerned with getting carries or getting a big workload at all. If you look at his interviews, and I'm a Bucks fan, so I, I pay a lot of attention to this. If you look at his interviews and Bruce Arian's quotes and LaShawn McCoy's quotes, LaShawn McCoy says, this is Rojo's backfield. I'm here to help Rojo unlock his full potential. I am here to help Rojo be very good and improve and get better. And if he gets hurt or if he needs a breather, I'm here to take the carries away from him, to, to give him, you know, to be a spellback, to be there when he needs a breather, when he needs to come out. But this is Ronald Jones' backfield. He literally said it's Ronald Jones' backfield. So trust me, I'm not worried about. I was already confidently on the Ronald Jones side in the Ronald Jones or Keyshawn Vaughn debate, but even more so now based off LaShawn McCoy's comments, Bruce Arians' comments. He said that this is Ronald Jones' backfield and he's going to carry the load. And he said that Keyshawn Vaughn or Keshawn Vaughn, 
I'm not sure how you, how you say it yet. I need him to, I need him to say his name so I know how to say it, um, or get like, you know, confirmation from somewhere. But anyways, Vaughn, LaShawn McCoy, and Darryl Gumbawale are all going to be fighting for their role. They're all going to be role players. That's what Bruce Arians said. He said that they're fighting for the snaps after Ronald Jones. So that's why I'm very confident in Ronald Jones getting him at 704 when I have him as my RB like 22 or 21. That's an RB2 in the seventh round. Yeah, I'll take that. And a high-flying offense. Yeah, I'll take that. Then Robert Gronkowski goes at 705. Debo Samuel, Evan Ingram, Josh Allen, Drew Brees, Kareem Hunt, Christian Kirk, Deontay Johnson, Jamison Crowder, Emmanuel Sanders, Darius Slayton, Matthew Stafford, Raheem Mostert, Henry Ruggs. Now it's back to me. So here's the thing. Everyone at this point, and this is something you always want to do when you're drafting, every single person in the draft room, except for me, now has a quarterback. Every single one of them. So there's no reason for me to take a quarterback. I'll tell you right now that my highest ranked quarterback is Carson Wentz. He's my quarterback eight, and getting him in the eighth round would be a great value. But I don't even need to take him here because I know everyone else has a quarterback already. They're not going to be worried about spending another high pick on quarterback. And even if they take Carson, it's fine because, or no, sorry, Carson's my seven, my quarterback seven. Uh, even if he gets taken, my quarterback eight, Joe Burrow, I know I can get him later. And my quarterback 10, Gardner Minshew, is there. So if you're able to track other people's teams, especially in Sleeper, it's so easy in Sleeper, the way that their draft board looks and it's color-coded, it's so easy to keep track of you know, what positions are on what team. And if you're doing that effectively, you will be able to you know, manipulate value for yourself. So instead of grabbing Carson Wentz right here, I decided to wait. And I'm sure that I'll be able to get him way later. So I take Matt Breda at the 809. So I still have my three receivers, Moore, Metcalf, and Boyd. I have Elliott, Jacobs, and Bell as my three main running backs. And I just took Ronald Jones the round before. And now I take Matt Breda with Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns, two wide receivers in Miami, both opting out. And Breda being the receiving back, he's probably going to pick up even more work just because of that. And, you know, he's already in a situation where Jordan Howard is not much of a pass catcher. He's kind of the only running back there that's going to be taking in passes. And they're probably, I do think their defense is going to be much better than last year, but they're not going to be a great defense. They're probably going to be behind often and throwing the ball a lot. So I really like Breda for his receiving upside. And if he ends up taking the workload from Jordan Howard, he has huge, huge RB2 upside if, you know, he ends up being the main carry uh, carry taker there as well because he's already going to have the receiving role. And I think he's probably going to have more touchdowns than Jordan Howard because of the fact that he's a dual threat. He can be used in the receiving game more than Jordan Howard. So they're probably going to want to use him in the red zone because it's, you know, it's easier to trick defenses or, you know, make plays with a running back that can do everything opposed to just Jordan Howard who's going to run the ball only. Then Sterling Shepard goes at 810, 811, CD Lamb. Daniel Jones, then, ooh, see, I actually cannot tell you who this next person is. Their name is completely cut off. Um, oh, it's James White. James White. I can only see the M-E-S and the I-T-E. It's definitely James White at the 901. That's a pretty good value if you're waiting on, on a running back and you're just, you know, need somebody that could be an okay filler in the flex. Mike Williams, then Tariq Cohen, same boat as James White, in my opinion. 
and now it's back to me. So I'm looking, and most tight ends, or most uh, teams have a tight end, except for three. And the three teams that do not have a tight end have two picks before two picks each before it comes back to me. So I know I have to take my tight end right now if I want to to get him. So I take Caden Hurst at the 904. He's my first tight end, and we'll see if I end up grabbing another one. But he's my first tight end as of right now. Then Jerry Judy, John Brown, J.K. Dobbins, Anthony Miller, Michael Hardman. I'm basically going to stop telling you guys all the players that are going because we're getting later on. So I'm just going to fast forward it. Once it gets back to me, right before the guy I really wanted, got I got sniped at the 10.08. Preston Williams went off the board. So I'm looking at receiver, and Jalen Rager went before me too. So Jalen Rager and Preston Williams were two guys I was hoping would fall to me after I took Hayden Hurst. Neither of them did, but somebody else did that I really like, and that's Nikhil Harry. So I took Nikhil Harry. He is my wide receiver four. He has good upside. Big wide receivers have shown to be good with Cam Newton in the past. And so I'm hoping Nikhil Harry can do so. I had a very high draft grade on him last year when he came in as a rookie. Obviously, he was dealing with injury and trying to learn the system last year. So I don't hold last year against him by any means. It's kind of like giving him a fresh start as if he's a rookie again in my mind. And so I'm taking my shot on Nikhil Harry. And then once it, after I took Nikhil Harry, there were six picks between. And it comes back to me. And I take another wide receiver with upside Michael Pittman. Here's the thing, T.Y. is already dealing with injuries, and he's shown to not be the healthiest guy. Over the last two, three seasons, he misses multiple games in the seasons. He's already dealing with injury right now, and who else is there? In Indy, I know we have some Paris Campbell truthers, but I don't see Michael Pittman losing snaps to Paris Campbell, and... Michael Pittman is already going to be starting as the outside receiver. They said this They said this from the jump. They also drafted him before Jonathan Taylor was drafted. That's kind of interesting if you think about it because, you know, everyone has all this Jonathan Taylor 101 hype, which he's the 102 in my mind. But um, Michael Pittman is somebody that they drafted before him. So obviously they love the guy because they risked not being able to get Jonathan Taylor by taking Pittman first. And Taylor had a way higher draft grade than Michael Pittman. So like it was super, it's super plausible for them to think that they could have just taken Jonathan Taylor and gotten Michael Pittman for sure. Like nobody saw Michael Pittman going at the top of the second round and that's where they took him. So obviously they didn't want to risk losing out on the guy. He's got a huge opportunity. He's probably going to have the highest amount of total targets for any rookie wide receiver this year. And so that's why I took him. And then there's a whole bunch of picks after that, because obviously I am at the four spot and that was the beginning of the 11th round. So there's like, I don't know, 16 picks before it gets back to me. And the notable guys that went there, I would say Duke Johnson, somebody I like, Tony Pollard, a high upside handcuff, Marlon Mack, Zach Moss has some potential. All those guys go. And now it's back to me in the 12th round. Now, Carson Wentz is still there, and now I'm at the point where I'm a little bit nervous that people are going to start taking their second quarterback, especially because of this offseason. And, you know, if your quarterback gets COVID, you're going to need a good quarterback as a backup. So because I'm a little bit nervous about that, I'm reading the room, and I'm thinking, yeah, I should probably take Carson here. So I do it. I take my quarterback, seven, in the 12th round when his ADP is usually like 
round eight, nine. And it's because I paid attention and I saw that everybody else already had quarterbacks and they're not going to reach for their second quarterback that early on. So if you can read the room and do that in your drafts, it's really going to help you. So I took Carson Wentz at the 12-9. Then, what do you know, Jared Goff goes as a second quarterback to a team. Then a couple more guys go, it gets back to me, and I decide to take my second tight end. I was thinking about just waiting, but once again, just like we were talking about with quarterback and why I thought people were going to start taking their second quarterback, you want a good second tight end as well because if something happens, if your tight end misses time, we already know that that's a tough tough position to, to hit on. And so only having one and the risk that they just get COVID or whatever and they're out two weeks, three weeks, that really sucks. So I don't like only coming out of drafts with one tight end. Um, so I go ahead and take my tight end nine or tight end nine or ten, Blake Jarwin. I actually have him ranked above Hayden Hurst and I took Hayden Hurst five rounds earlier. Why? Because Hayden Hurst has way more potential than Blake Jarwin because of the offense he's in. And also, I obviously know I can get Blake Jar- Jarwin way later than Hayden Hurst. So that's why I went ahead went ahead and took Hayden Hurst that high. Now, in the 13th round, I take Blake Jarwin. Now I'm set at tight end. I know, like for sure, 100%, Hayden Hurst has the better potential, but he is way more risky. Blake Jarwin, I know has a role. Like there's no way that Blake Jarwin is going to be a bust, especially where he's being drafted. Like he has a solid filled out role in that offense. Unless he gets hurt, there's no way he's not going to be at least a guy that you can put in your lineup as in the tight end spot and feel okay about. Like he's not going to be that guy that you're worried about. Oh, am I going to lose my week because of my tight end? Am I only going to get two, three points? Nah, he's going to get you a solid six, seven, I think every single week. So that's why I took Jarwin. And then a whole bunch of tight ends went. Perfect timing. Perfect. TJ Hawkinson, Austin Hooper, Johnny Smith, Dallas Goddard, Eric Ebron, Chris Herndon all went in a row with one other position drafted in between them. That was Jalen Hurd. So we just had seven tight ends go in the next eight picks. So that's why you want to be able, once again, to read the room. Super, super important. You got to hit on a position before the run starts. If you get caught at the end of the run, you're going to be not getting valuable picks and you're going to be reaching often and your team's not going to look good because of it. So make sure you try to read the room, see what positions guys need and what positions they have filled and you know, who's picking before your next pick, pay attention to stuff like that. It's really simple, but it's so important. And so after that, now, remember I told you I took Carson cause I was worried people were going to start getting their second quarterbacks and Jared Goff was the first one to go. So after I took Jarwin, here comes the string of second quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers goes, Tom Brady goes, Cam Newton goes, Big Ben goes, and then I take my second quarterback, who's my quarterback eight, talked about him earlier, Joe Burrow. So in the last three rounds, I went Carson Wentz, Blake Jarwin, and Joe Burrow. Now I have two great quarterbacks. Carson has a really good beginning schedule, which is perfect to pair with Burrow as Burrow gets his feet wet in the NFL since he has no preseason games to help him practice. So he's probably not going to look great in the first, you know, couple of weeks, few weeks. But here's the thing. I already know that. I have that expectation. And I think he's going to be really good after that because he has amazing, um, an amazing receiving core. He has a really good rushing floor and upside that some people just don't seem to realize. I don't know if it's just because of the way he looks or what, but he runs a lot more than people realize. And then not only that, but he's in an offense that threw the ball 600 something times last year. So 
if they are throwing nearly anywhere near that with the receivers that he has and a slightly better offensive line because Jonah Williams is back and he's also a better quarterback than the Andy Dalton we've seen the past couple of years, I think he's going to be great for fantasy, especially because of the rushing. And then after that, B- Baker Mayfield also went. So there's another second quarterback. It gets back to me. Now we're in the 15th round. There's two rounds left. I have two tight ends, two quarterbacks. I'm feeling really good. Now I'm just going to swing for upside at this point. So I just need two upside picks, and then I'm done with the draft. So a bunch of guys go. Some notable names to me was um, Cam Newton. Or no, I think I already said Cam Newton. Um, AJ Dillon, that's a, you know, a pick that I like for Dynasty, not so much for redraft. I don't think he's going to be able to give you any type of games this year unless Aaron Jones gets hurt, but I don't like playing that game because anybody could get hurt, which makes any backup valuable. And A.J. Dillon's not to the level of like a Tony Pollard backup or a um, Alexander Madison backup. I'm trying not to say like Kareem Hunt, Latavius Murray, because those guys already have their own value built in. And then Damian Harris goes. That was a really good value pick and a good one with upside. DeAndre Washington went. Justin Jackson went. Just trying to hit, hit you guys with some good names that I liked that went. And then it got back to me. And I took another running back. It's the most important position, so you want to get a lot of them. I took Joshua Kelly. If he ends up being the number two instead of Justin Jackson, then that's going to be a good pick because he might be a guy that can put up really good points every you know now and then. And so then after that, a couple good receivers went. Mims, Steven Sims, and D.D. Westbrook. And then a couple quarterbacks. And then I took T. Higgins as my last pick in the 16th round. I think it's very possible A.J. Green is no longer elite. And if that's the case, T. Higgins could see upwards of 100 targets this season. He has sneaky upside to be the best rookie wide receiver this year. Sneaky upside because there is a lot of people there. You know, there's Auden Tate, John Ross, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green. But this is how I think it's going to shake out. I don't think this is, you know, abnormal. I'm sure everyone agrees with this. A.J. Green's on one side. T. Higgins is on the other. Tyler Boyd's in the slot. So if T. Higgins is starting... I think Burrow's going to love him. I think he has huge potential. I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing this, but sometimes, you know, there's a new listener listening. And so I got to make sure I say things that I firmly believe multiple times. And that thing is that T. Higgins has Brennan Marshall potential. I really believe that. Uh, That's who I compared him to coming into the draft. So I love T. Higgins. It's very possible, especially if A.J. Green gets hurt. Dude, if A.J. Green gets hurt, T. Higgins is going to be so hot for fantasy. Him and Boyd are going to be going off because that offense is going to be passing the ball so much. Trust me. So that's why I took T. Higgins. And then there wasn't really anybody interesting to end the draft. Uh, there was Russell Gage. I guess that's a decent decent pick, but I don't find it too, too crazy. And so here is my final roster. At quarterback, I have Carson Wentz. And, and this is from the four spot. Carson Wentz and Joe Burrow. Then at the running back spot, I have Ezekiel Elliott, Josh Jacobs, Le'Veon Bell, Ronald Jones, right there, that's four top 22 running backs per my projections. Then running back five, Matt Breda. And then my last running back, Joshua Kelly. Wide receivers, I went DJ Moore, DK Metcalf, Tyler Boyd. That's three top 15 wide receivers per my projections. Then Nikhil Harry, Michael Pittman, two guys that are big, you know, jump ball receivers that have really good upside and could see a lot of targets. And then... Last but not least, we just talked about him, T. Higgins. And then my tight ends are Hayden Hurst 
and Blake Jarwin. And I don't know if I said my quarterbacks already, Carson Wentz and Joe Burrow. So that was my team. I think that team looks sick. And, you know, hopefully I can get a team just like that in redraft. I still have a lot of redraft um, podcast, not podcasts, <laughs> redraft mock drafts. Oh my goodness. Leagues. Sorry. Redraft leagues. Sorry. I'm a little distracted because I don't know if you can hear the dogs barking in the background. I'm trying to just, you know, keep focused. But yeah, so I have a lot of redraft leagues coming up. Hopefully I can get a team exactly like this or very similar. This is from the four spot. Um, I, you know, randomized the draft order for this mock draft and it was cool that it landed at four. I am not ever that lucky because I think that's probably my favorite or one of my favorite spots to draft this year. I would say probably the four spot is second only to the one spot. I would say those are my two favorite spots. One, because you get Christian McCaffrey and his value over replacement is so insane. So insane. He was averaging 10 points more per week than the second best running back last year. That's huge. Um, so yeah, the first spot, obviously, because McCaffrey. And then four, because you're still getting one of the elite tiered running backs. And you're still in a good position at the 2-3 turn to get another running back and either a tight end or a DJ Moore or a Lamar Jackson. And I had the position to get DJ Moore or Lamar Jackson. I took more. So it's a great spot to draft. And I'll probably be doing an auction draft. I am going to have to try to figure out how to structure that. I mean, uh, for the podcast, of course, an auction mock draft. It's going to be tough to structure. I'm not going to lie. I've heard like one or two podcasts try it. I really did not think that they did a great job. And it's like podcasts that I like. It's just, it's very hard to try and do an auction draft. So I'm going to find or see if I can find a way to tackle that in which it is, you know, good content because obviously I can't just do the draft and record at the same time. Otherwise it would be forever. It'd be like two hours because auction drafts take forever because each player is up on auction for like two minutes. So I'm not going to do that to you guys. I'll try and figure it out and see if I can give you guys a good auction draft. Thank you guys for listening this Sunday morning. If you are listening to it the day it comes out, have a good one. Remember, if you can do me a favor, if you love the podcast, obviously you do because you've listened to this point. Like, let's be real with each other, right? We're bros. We're obviously bros. Um, So do me a favor. Turn to the person on your right and tell them, hey, I'm listening to a podcast. It's sick. You should check it out. Because if each one of you guys, if each one of you guys just could tell one of your friends, guess what? That doubles my listeners. And that means so much to me. Like, and it takes, you know, it takes a little effort from you guys, but hopefully I'm worth a little effort. You know, I give you guys my effort. So that's all I got to say for today. It's just a short episode doing a mock draft. I will be hitting you guys with tight ends soon enough. The season is fast approaching and I hope we're all ready for it. I'm excited. I cannot wait to watch my bucks get to the Super Bowl. Um, and yeah. Also, side note, how sick would it be if we saw a Brady-Cam Newton Super Bowl? Like, the Bucks are playing against a quarterback that was a foe in their division. Brady is versus Belichick. Like, that's sick. And, okay, everyone, my family's starting to get super loud, so I'm going to end it here. Thank you guys for listening. Tuning in. Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Brandon Gabor. I'm your host. Peace.